Rentals. I'm Matthew Shuckman. And I'm Mike Reyes. And today we're going to be talking about two films from filmmaker Ben Wheatley. Mainly we're going to be focusing on his 2011 massively amazing kill list, but also we're going to talk to him about In the Earth, which is coming out today, Friday, April 16th. Yes. And uh, look, I'm just going to flat out say it. I was really surprised because I had, well, first of all, Matthew, was Kill List a match between the two of us? I mean, I, I believe so. From what you've told me about it, I believe you, I mean, I saw it a long time ago. I think you've just seen it recently, right? Well, that's what I meant. Like the whole, like, was it a match that we had both seen it oh. when we pitched it? And that no, was- Oh, no, no. Yeah, no. I, I, I think you hadn't seen it. Yeah, you'd seen plenty no. of Wheatley films, but not this one. No, well, I'd seen a couple Wheatley films. I'd seen Free Fire. I'd seen High Rise was my big introduction to Ben Wheatley. Okay. And then I saw uh, Free Fire based off of that. And then, you know, we, uh, you came in when we first started this uh, production, we had our lists and I saw Kill List was on there. And I had heard the name, but I had never really seen it. So when it came time to do this, it's like, okay, cool. This is a new one for me. Well, you know, it's it's a film that I I, I started doing the, this gig around like 2010, maybe a little bit before. So the film came out in 2011, and it was one of the first in the line of when I started to really understand that I should go into movies blind if I could. Like I didn't want to know anything about it. I heard I saw the title when 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 I got the invite for it. That's kind of all I knew, and that made me, you know, like a lot of films, it made me love it even more because for those who haven't seen it, I'm not going to tell you what happens in it, but, you know, for the first, again, it's a movie called Kill List, so I wouldn't expect it to be, you know, just some, like, family drama, but, like, for 20 minutes of it, 20, almost half an hour of it, I'm watching a family drama, and I'm like, all right, what's going on? And then it takes you to one place, and you're like, all right, I know where I'm going. And then all of a sudden, as I feel calm, it takes me to a completely different place. And I'm like, okay. And then when I feel calm again, it just pulls the covers off of you. Which is exactly what the other film we'll be discussing today uh, did, which is Ben Wheatley's In the Earth, which again, going into In the Earth and Kill List, I did not look up the trailers. I did not try to refresh myself. All I remembered was both of them had these really cool, stark-looking posters, especially mm. In the Earth, because In the Earth has this weird, like, it looks like the photographs in the movie, like this sort of disturbing, natural horror vibe to it. Yeah, I mean, I saw I saw In the Earth a few months ago when it was at Sundance, and I, when I had been approved for Sundance, like I still hadn't looked up any of the films until the list came, until I was ready to make my list of what I had to cover, what I was going to look at. Uh, and then I saw the title and I, did, I didn't even notice it was Ben Wheatley at first. And I'm like, all of a sudden it said Ben Wheatley. I'm like, okay, I'm watching this. And, um, you know, for those who are going to go see it or haven't seen it yet, it is a film that was basically concocted within you know, weeks of, of lockdown starting. It was shot Early on, I mean, not early on, it was shot in the summer, uh, I believe August of 2020, but it was very much inspired by, it's not, I, sh I, sh I shouldn't say inspired by the pandemic because it's not about a pandemic, but a pandemic exists in the film that kind of kicks off 
the plot in essence. It's definitely inspired by the pandemic because yes. I think you I think you would already just address this, and I'm just saying it for my own talking purposes. But you know, second week of lockdown, Ben Weedley decides he's going to write this movie. It is a movie that is not defined by the pandemic, but is inspired by it. Yeah, and I mean that's I, I, that it's first not, act is really all you ever hear of it. Exactly, and it's 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 just there to kind of create the story for that purpose. But then while what happens still is kind of talking about the idea of how we take care of ourselves and the planet in essence, again, it's not a movie trying to be about the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, Ben Wheatley just, you know, the more I watch his films, the more I realize he just creates labyrinthian fun houses. Yeah, I mean, he, he takes you to places where you're maybe not expecting to go there, and this, this was very much, again, how I felt with Killist. Because Killist is a movie that I, I think everybody should see. I mean, any film I like, I think everybody should see. Let's not get wrong. But Oh, obviously. I think it's, it's, it's a very important film for these times because it's, a, it's technically a low-budget film. But I wouldn't get... In the Earth, it's a low-budget film. But you would, yeah. never, you would never know. <clears throat> no. No, he, he, makes every, he makes just a meal out of his circumstances and doing the research for our talk that we're having with Ben Weedley, it's just amazing that in the earth is a 15 day shoot kill yeah. list was an 18 day shoot and just uh, it it kind of feels like this relentless energy sort of helps the stories and what they're trying to do well you know I, I think it's it's funny um and I think about it back in the day and this may come up later too who knows but you know, Jonathan Demi coming out of the school of Roger Corman, and the idea that you know because he can turn something over on a dime, that gets him more work, and that gets him to be the name. You know, Ben Wheatley already had the name, but he's but he's following the same you know the same template almost. I think he's just got a madman energy. I think he has that streak in him that he kind of he needs these releases every now and then to do this because he's going to do the Meg too soon. Yes, And I've read that he basically is doing that because, you know, it's, it's a new chance to do like this huge scope movie. And I know a lot of people kind of poo-poo, oh, they were such an indie director and then they went to do the big movie and that they shouldn't have to do that. But when someone really wants to do that yeah. and wants to have it as a fun exercise, why not? I mean, he also did probably did Rebecca for a pretty penny. But yeah, I mean, not just a fun exercise too. I mean, not to get off the, the, the topic too, too, too much. Uh, but, you know, like Sam Raimi doing Spider-Man, you know, I mean, he wanted he, that. That was something he always wanted to do. I and mean, that's his thing. But, you know, just because they're doing a big budget movie doesn't make it any less important, doesn't make it any less good. I mean, I never looked up the budget and shooting schedule for High Rise. But to me, even though it wasn't the mainstream film that something else may be, that was pretty that's pretty, you know, like doing a big movie. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it, literally, he works with whatever circumstances he has, whatever leads he has. And I honestly, even when I'm not like a huge fan of the product, like I was left a little cold with Free Fire, mm. but even in that sort of circumstance, the leads are great. The quality still holds up. It's just, I didn't find myself accessing the material as much as I wanted to. But Charlton Copley kills in that movie. <laughs> and actual cannibal Army Hammer kills in that movie. 
Well, and, you know, and that also goes back to what I, you know, I almost, I got my, I got myself off my own point earlier in the fact that talking about that, I think everybody should see Kill List, but it's going to be, it would be a tough watch for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. There's a few things that happen in it that are like, not just necessarily coming out of left field, but it's like, I, I, I was amazed that that appeared on screen. Um, and it's technically gory, but at the same time, it's not gory. It's, it's not, it's strange. It's a strange thing to say. And when one thing specifically happens, and for those people who've seen the movie, know what I'm talking about. Do we want to have like a gated off spoiler section? No, no, no. I'm not going to, I'm not going to spoil okay. anything. All right. Not going to mention anything, but when it happens, it's the kind of thing that normally, whether I can stomach it or not, normally I may go like, Oh, I, oh, man, I can't. But in this film, I could just stare at it and be okay with it. I don't know why. There's something about it. Maybe it's because it was so shocking and came out of nowhere. Maybe it's because it was just edited so well. I don't know. But I, it's important for people to see, I think. And people will be grossed out by it, but it's important for people to see. Yeah. And just, I, again, that madman energy helps because it almost feels like the way he makes his films is the way the stories themselves turn out because it's not always going to be a clear cut answer, a clear cut solution. You're not always going to have the steps laid in front of you to see like something that happens at the end of the movies. And the the ending of both of these movies happens kind of abruptly, very much out of left field, but the way that these universes are constructed it fits to a T. And it's funny too, because it's not necessarily talking about not even getting answers. It's almost like you can't, it's okay if you don't even have your own formulation of what you think happened. And in such a way, it's almost as if the story itself is just one big MacGuffin. And, and, and it's, it's kind of like, it, that's what may turn some people off, but it's, it's meant to be that way. And I, I, I think it's wonderful. I think it's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Um, so without further ado, do we want to get Ben in on the action here and uh, kick yeah. ourselves off? Absolutely. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Overdue Rentals, scene one, episode one or zero, depending on how you count things. Ben Weedley. Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. It's fantastic to have you here. Oh, cheers, man. Thank you. You know, I'm just going to jump right in there because I think everybody's going to jump on to the fact that this was filmed in such a truncated timeline, but that's not something new for you. That's something you've done plenty of times before, but is the process leading up to that different at all? Um, well, yeah, a few things are different. Obviously, the, there was a lot of it's done virtually, so there's no production office, there's no meeting meeting anybody until <laughs> you hit the set. Um, most All the casting was done um down the line as well, which was turned out to be fine. You know, all all pluses really. I, I you know, I'm I'm happy not to have to leave my house ever. You know, so it, it was all good. Um, but the actual, you know, the actual shoot, there was a lot of talk about the PPE and the, all the kind of um, COVID protection stuff, which I, I totally understandably, and we were all took it very seriously, and it was all fine. You know, yeah. so and it actually didn't impact on the speed that we made the film or, the, or you know, we weren't struggling because we had to take all that stuff into accommodation. So, it, you know, there was a lot of worry and then it was a relief once we stopped, started filming really was fine. Now, do you feel that sort of shortened production kind of helps heighten the, the terror at the center of a story like In the Earth or, or even Kill List? Because 
looking into both of these movies, I was surprised that it was like a 15 to 18 day period. Like I think it was 15 days for In the Earth and then 18 days for Kill List. Yeah, I mean a lot, but then lots of horror is shot in that kind of range. It's not, it's not unusual. It used to be, as a production model, you know, the three week movie was a thing. You know, and if you're working for Corman, you were doing two weeks, you know, and sometimes a week if you're doing shot corridor or something like that. So it kind of, or gun crazy or something. So I, I, I always think that, you know, it, well, what, and another thing that we, we, that was part of all this was that we'd found like production documents from Halloween and that was a, like a 20 day shoot or something like that, or 17 or 18 day shoot and had the same budget as us by uh, with adjusted dollars you know for inflation so when you see it like that you go well actually you know the 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 crowning movie of genre is shot in this in this style so why shouldn't you shoot like this hmm. in a way it's better to shoot like this than to end up with like a six-week shoot and then 30 million dollars which seems to be against the kind of um spirit of the b movie to be honest but has your process changed in leading up to In the Earth? Because for instance, like I rewatched Kill List and I almost forgot that at the end it says, you know, the writing credits for you and Amy, but then it says additional dialogue by cast. Is there a, um, you know, a night feeling of, of improv on these films, all of them? Yeah, some, sometimes. And when it gets too big, then that credit turns up. You know, <laughs> that credit's on Free Fire as well, I think. Um, but it, it, if it's a little bit of improvisation, then I will take the credit, you know, if I've written it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of, you know, in that movie, in, in In the Earth, it is harder because it's like, it's a lot of technical talk and kind of, there's not a lot of space for improvisation, though you do get stuff like, say, the, when they're putting the tents up, that's not, that's not scripted. It's just written in the script that he puts a tent up and makes a mess of it and that's it. And then in the, when they're talking to Zach initially, some of the conversations there while he's serving food were a bit of improv. So we'd, we'd kind of just, we'd filmed like a long, which I tend to do with eating scenes where you just shoot the whole thing out. So he prepared the food and cooked it and they ate it and they talked and we just filmed for half an hour of what was going on, you know, and then from that, you get this kind of verite, relaxed, real feeling of, of people having food together rather than, you know, them eating a bit of food and then continuity coming in and taking the plate away and rearranging the food and all that kind of stuff, mm. which, you know, or they have to eat 30 meals. <laughs> one after the other which is which is not conducive with a good performance usually you know yeah i i, I have to say though also because just because the name zach came up i had i mean i knew reese was in the film but I, I didn't even realize that was him until like the end of the movie I, I could not put it together i could not feel that that was even his face it was ridiculous yeah i mean reese i don't know if you know that um inside number nine is tv mm -hmm. show that yeah. So, I mean, what is it? Five series of that where every episode he plays a different character and they're, they're really different every time. And I think that's his, you know, I thought we would have been, they would have sucked the life out of him by now. But it's just, I was amazed when I was looking at the rushes for this and going, yeah, it's a really different performance from him again. You know, it's, it's kind of night and day from the from um, Field in England and from, um, from High Rise, um, from my experience of working with him. Also speaking as a movie fan, I'm just thankful that, Technically, this is a pandemic movie, but it's not so carried away with being bogged down in identifying one for one as to, you know, what the pandemic has done to everyone. I mean, yeah. it's something that you can apply to the world now, but at the same time, it's not, you know, you take a movie like uh, 
I'm, trying, I'm blanking on the name of the, the Anne Hathaway Chiwetel Ejiofor film. Was it Locked Away or? Oh, I don't even remember the name, to be honest with you. Oh, Locked Down, I think it was. Yeah. Well, anyway, it, it's just, there's so many pandemic movies where they try to get cute. And it's mm. like, oh, this is how it's affecting. It's like, no, well, this, this can be applied to that. But at the same time, you know, it's inspired by it, but it's not defined by it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, we wanted to make something... It's, it, it, it is in um, continuity with the other movies in a way that, or that you know, I've, I've made films which are in the moment, you know, that, that, are, that are attached to the headlines and, you know, so Kill List is like that effectively, you know, that, that, that has connections to the period that it's made in and, and certainly um, uh, Happy New Year Colin Burstead is, you know, and, and this just seemed, seemed to be like a natural progression of that of making movies now, you know. It's not a pandemic film. It's just the pandemic's fucking happening now <laughs> while this film is set. So you kind of have to, it's a, it would seem weird not to um, talk about it because it's almost like, I mean, it almost seems to me like there's a position that's happening where there, there, there's a conversation about, do we forget what's happened in the last year? Is it going to be, I think I, and I blame Avengers for this. That, the, that there's some kind of thing that we can forget the clicking of the fingers and it can all go back to normal again when they defeat Thanos or whatever. But it's not going to go back to normal. It's going to continue to be weird like this for 10 years, you know. And it's and this the, this is just the very beginning of, you know, of the, the, the trying to understand what's happened to everybody, you know. And I think the filmmakers who will really get to grips with it are probably 17 now, mm. you know. And by the yeah. time they come through, then that's when we'll see the true pandemic. Well, what was also really interesting was I was reading through the uh, the press notes recently, and I just loved how you were saying it's like making a movie in 1946 and not talking about World War II. Yeah, yeah, that's what I felt. Or, or, or it's also we we've got that, but we've also got film noir hitting uh, hitting France in uh, 1946. All the movies that were made before the war that couldn't get distributed, you know, and yeah. so they're all coming out, you know, and all we're getting all these films from like. 2000 and uh 2019 you know that are all being released and they're just like they're like bizarre kind of period pieces aren't they you know so with all that being said though are there parts then of in the earth that were scripted before pandemic was a thing no it's all all fresh brand new um started like second week of the lockdown in the uk oh. yeah um i basically all the all the scripts i've been writing kind of went in a drawer that you know they just didn't make any sense anymore what I find so interesting about both in the earth, I mean, not just in the earth and kill list, you know, I kind of focus on both of those. And it's even for stuff that was not necessarily your source work. So I think the same things for high rise where it's almost like the main characters, like the, the protagonists are almost the MacGuffin. It's like, they don't know where they're supposed, it's Kafka-esque. They don't know where they're supposed to be in it, but they, but they play such a big role. Is that something that kind of is where it gets pinpointed for you for when you start these things? I don't consciously think about it but it must be something happening that's making it happen a lot <laughs> in the films I totally understand what you're saying and I, I wonder if it's something about being adrift inside of genre to a degree of trying to understand the films that I like and the, and the stories that I like but then I'm kind of in the films as well and then I become that that thing mm -hmm. to a degree I certainly am I because I wrote this one I can say it for certain I am Martin you know I am. I am uh, happily admit that I'm uh, useless outside of a, a, a house, and also useless and um, and cowardly in the extreme in, when confronted with any kind of danger. You know, and I think that uh, was important for me that the, the the main leading man had those qualities. You know, 
and which that was just a total casting coup to get Joel Fry in there because he's he's one of those sort of I guess he's sort of an up and coming you know that guy like a really good character actor that you just you recognize him but yeah. you have to really think like where did I see him before like I remember him from yesterday yeah I think that's the one I remember him most recently for and just watching him take this whole other role on was was extremely exciting well I, I've known him I, I, we worked together on our first jobs basically 15 years ago so I've kind of wanted to, to work with him again since that you know um but it's been a been a long road back I think he's I think he's brilliant you know I mean he should be bond Ooh. You know, that's that's not a bad suggestion. And he definitely gets a lot of physical choreography out of this film. Yeah, yeah. He's very, he's strong and big as well. I mean, he's he's not, um, yeah, you have to do it like this, you know, he's... <laughs> he's got the stature for it. Yeah, totally. And the, and the face, it's brilliant. You know, I, I absolutely love, I mean, this is, this when I first saw Kill List specifically, this, this is what did it for me. And it happens again here in the earth and, and other works as well, but you have this way of, I th actually, I, I'll, I'll put it in the words that I originally reviewed Kill List in, where I said, it's like taking a kid to a haunted house, throwing him in and then pulling him out and saying, no, no, it's, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And then shoving him into a pit of snakes right after. It just takes me on so many different rides and waves. I, I love that you do that to me. Yeah, I mean, that was part of the thing of In the Earth. I knew I was gonna do, you know, the center part of the movie, which is similar to the Kill List, you know, in terms of the hammer stuff, but it's, I wanted what I wanted to do was like slow time down, you know, to grab you and put you in a room and go, oh, this isn't, this is going to go on forever, and they're going to, and and they're definitely, this is going to get worse and worse, and we're not, and we're going to definitely see it all as well, you know. I think that was that that was really important that the you know that that the audience was really dragged through, and then dragged through all the blinding lights and the psychedelia and all that's that end of it oh, yeah. as well you know but it's it's kind of going to that um position of cinema which is about sensation rather than and and about um so and primal you know so that it's a it's a physiological feeling you're feeling as well as an intellectual feeling at the same time and that was always the thing we kind of looked in and it, that was what a lot of the stuff was experimenting with the kill list as well you know trying to see how what the you know what it's about heart rate almost or stomach you know you kind of you're feeling tight and your heart's going you're like jesus when will it end you know and i think and i got that from watching alan clark movies and also watching scorsese you know yeah. and thinking how do you you know grab the audience on that on that level and even just how the brutality of these films is shown it's very deliberate and unflinching where others would kind of others wouldn't show like the stitching of the foot in in the earth like there is a real beautiful prosthetic beautiful and and disturbing prosthetic scene where you're seeing that foot just get put back together and then eventually the the chopping of the toes i think it's the reaction isn't it it's like when when he goes is it all right and she goes yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> You can hear, you can really feel the audience heads going, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and then just especially in, in the earth where it's just the constant chopping, it's like, no, 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 that was a practice. You got to be ready for the next one. And it's like, oh, just do it already. Yeah. But yeah we, we, was... can't, we can't forgive the kill list as well, the, the hammer, you know. Oh. That's... <laughs> oh, that hammer sequence is especially beautiful. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I, 
I remember when we did when we had to show it to the financiers and they you show we were we were quite kind of naive but but aggressive so we we would never show any edits we never show any rough cuts or anything and basically they saw saw kill this with it all the effects work finished in it so there was no pretending it you know the first time they saw it it was what it what you saw in the cinema and I just remember being in the room in the like a really small screening room, like a 20 or 30 seater or something. And then just everyone's heads, I was at the back and everyone's heads turning around and going, what the fuck was that? <laughs> yeah. Happy days. <laughs> yeah, no, no more, right? You got more people to pass it by now. <laughs> well, I mean, with a name, movie like named Kill List, what do you expect? It's not like- Exactly, yeah. I mean, it was designed so that you would pick it off a spinner rack in a gas station, you know? That's even just a real powerful, like that's a gut punch title, like Kill List. Yeah. But that's like a, that's 20, the thing. 30 years ago, that would have, oh, go on. No, 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 go right, go right ahead. Yeah. No, I've got nothing. <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing about, that's the thing about Kill List. It's about in the earth, it's about almost all your films. Yeah, people are going to say horror, people are going to say thriller, but I mean, especially like Kill List, I, I, what I loved about that as well is I'm watching 25 minutes or so and I feel like I'm in a family drama and that's all it is. I mean, I, I almost despise this, the term genre film, but I don't think it be belongs in, in those titles almost. Yeah, I mean, I think genre is important in itself that it, that, that it gives you a set of rules to play with, you know, um, but you can break those rules, you know, and I think there's genre, there, there's genre films that sit on the edge of genre because of their, the, that the half the fun of them is breaking the gen the generic tropes of genre, you know, to a degree. Sure. So that, but also looking at it and going, um, for me, it's always like, why do I enjoy this stuff? Let's have a look and break it up and see what the bits are that I like. And in the same way, like Free Fire is like, oh, I like shooting. I like films with shooting in them. Let's see what happens when it's just all shooting and going, you know. And it and it's uh, it, but it's also that mixed with a kind of um, Warner Brothers cartoon, you know. It's like mm. those. And, and, and will that experiment work? And will you can you sustain it for a certain amount of time? You know, so it, that that's kind of the way I, I come at some of these movies sometimes. You know, or or they're or they're just little really mad challenges, like kind of oh, you know, it's like going, taking the extreme right turn into doing something which is like a period romantic drama thing, like Rebecca is. And also one of the most beautiful parts about making a movie like this is you get to stoke the fires on Twitter and get people asking, is it really a horror movie? Yeah. <laughs> because- know, what, what does that even mean? You know, what is, what is a horror movie? Were, were you scared? Yeah. Yes, horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> and especially with, again, just it's amazing how much In the Earth and Kill is sort of linked together because it's just, the whole horror behind both of them is very personal. It's really just, if you wanted to really knock it out in a simple synopsis, it's two people going up against something very primal and very natural, and they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's or it's something that doesn't like you, and it, but, it's, but it's totally beyond understanding. And I think that that's more scary than knowing what something is, you know, what, what is, the the boundaries of it or what it, what it's what it can do what its backstory is all that stuff is is kind of that that expositiony stuff is is kind of anti um terror i think half the time i mean it's also the yeah. fact that it's you're not supposed to expect answers because that's not what life's going to give you yeah no totally you don't it, it's um 
yeah, I mean, it's uh, what I find is like interesting is even with the news and you look at the news and you go, there doesn't seem to be that you seem to always be in the middle of the news. You never seem to have a some someone coming along with, well, this is actually how we got here. <laughs> yeah. and, and that thing that Hamlet says is a proper analysis and that's how it all connects together. It's just happening all the time, you know, and obviously that speaks to my ignorance of not knowing what's going on. But I think that it's kind of it is hard. You know, you look around and go, oh, there's no there's not even an appetite for that you think there'd be like a website that just is like bam 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 this 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 and this happened you know and that's why we're here you know douglas adams is getting so many royalties because you'd have so many people quoting in the beginning you the universe was created and it wasn't it was crowned upon <laughs> <laughs> yeah no we thought about um hitchhikers quite a lot as we were making it my favorite bit in that is the was it was it money money doesn't grow on trees well actually it does because we've made leaves uh, the uh, currency and then they have to burn all the forests down to um, rebalance the leaf <laughs> <laughs> and see that that's another thing that uh, came up in the research is the fact that your material kind of borders on the line of should i laugh at this or is this the scary part and like that it sort does. of shifting balance depends yeah. on who you are as an audience member. Yeah, I think that's important. I mean, I think I think that the it, things that take themselves too seriously tend to. It's not like real life, you know. I think life is, and I've, I've always said this, but it's like life is reasonably funny, you know. And um, even even when it's direst moments, you make jokes to try and get through it, and so things that have no laughs in them, I'm always slightly suspicious of, you know, because it feels like it's a person, it's someone who's made it, hasn't got um, life experience, you know, they don't really, you know, there's a there's a, a leavening kind of humour to, to most things, you would hope, unless it's really bad. <laughs> and then there's, then there's no laughing, or you get kicked out for laughing. <laughs> well, I mean, laughter almost seems maybe the easier thing to inject into stuff when it's not your work i mean not saying your work but like for instance when it's going to be coming up to when you have the meg coming out bringing your style into that or you know i, I don't know if i don't know if maybe imdb is lying are you also making an ideal movie oh no that's just that's been rolling around for ages yeah there's a lot of nonsense imdb i don't know how it must be really easy just to put in like projects because i've got about this is, i mean i went through a period in like the um uh, about five years ago, six years ago, just making stuff up in interviews, and all those projects are in the <laughs> fucking IMDb. So, it's <laughs> oh, so I wasn't supposed to just put you down for Bond Twenty Six then? Yeah, we'll see. All right, because I, I threw you in there because you know <laughs> you and, and and Joel, we got we got a deal here. I think that I think that's the way forward. I mean, you know, what you want is the Money Penny spin-off film. That's the one. Yes, and even the Nomi spin-off that they keep talking about, where it's like. You've got. I, I'm really sad that they they not only cut down the Money Penny spinoff, but then the Jinx spinoff with Halle Berry. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Someone released the uh, a couple pages of that, and they're like, "Well, this is her backstory with Michael Madsen, and this is how she becomes a C an NSA agent." And it's like, okay, why are we not making this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's the way to to kind of get around that the um, yeah of of not having to kind of regender bond. You could just like go. Push it straight out and, and expand exactly. it. Is, like, is there something you that because you said uh, uh, you had said that you had slipped a bunch of scripts in the draw when when in the Earth came about? Is there something that's ready to be pulled out that kind of fits into some of these themes that we're waiting for? 
No, but I've got new stuff. You know, there's I wrote quite a lot of stuff over the last five months. So there's there is. I mean, there there was a horror film that we were hoping to get away between um, in the Earth and Meg, but unfortunately the time's crunched too tight. But yeah, there's and that's that's written. That's a post pandemic kind of movie, but no mention of no mention of COVID in it. But it's written after the lockdown. Oh man, I I'm, I'm kind of sad now because especially after see like I, I I'm I I'm always kind of sad about the ideas that don't get made because yeah yeah I mean you know <laughs> it, I think the thing is is you have to have loads and loads of projects ready to go at any any point you know and they and they, they slow one if you've just got one thing then you you're basically doomed to disappointment that you kind of you'll get it to the end and then someone else will come out with the same thing and then it'll get or someone go yes it's very like this other thing that we've got in production or something you know so it really it, it seems to me like you know in the last, last few years have been the amount of projects that you're kind of involved in ones involved in gets bigger and bigger so that you you have a chance of kind of of one of them actually hitting that sweet spot of being financed and ready to go you know well i wish we could spend all day talking about both all these movies and the ones that are still to come. But thank you so much for your time, Ben. We really appreciate it. Thank Cheers, you. Nathan. Thank you. Yeah. Ben Weedley. No, oh, thank you, Ben, so much. It's, it's fantastic that uh, that we that he came to join us, and, and we really appreciate it. And I just think it's kind of an awesome. He's an awesome guest for us to sort of you know christen the vessel that is overdue rentals because he's just a lot of fun. It's not not only just is he a lot of fun, but he's got so many films that were produced in such a short time, all quality. Again, yeah, whether or not- Matt you may not Ben Weedley. Yeah, may, you may not like all of them. You may not think they're all on the same level, but they're they're really interesting watches. And, and that's what's also great to talk about him about In the Earth too, because I feel like, not that he has to return to a certain form, but it almost felt like this was Killis's like long lost sister. Oh, oh, absolutely. Just uh, watching these two films within like the span of literally a couple hours. Like I watched In the Earth uh, one night and then I watched, uh, literally I watched In the Earth last night because my schedule has just been crazy. But I watched it, well, the night, the night before we recorded this. And then the morning of the interview, I watched Kill List. And this, yeah. I didn't the, realize you watched it that morning. Wow, okay. Uh, the 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 symmetry that kind of overlaps between these two films and just I feel like Ben Weedley loves he loves his low budget lean and mean films and they're very much movies about people isolated in a world that is very connected. Yeah, and, I mean, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, no, and, and basically it's this. There's an overarching world at work, but we don't know too much about it because we're so focused on these people. That and it's funny because we and we talked about it in the interview. I, I had brought up the fact that I feel like his, his protagonists are, 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 you know, just don't they're, they're, they're thrown into a situation that they don't understand, but they're the main piece of it without their own knowledge. But it feels like, in a way, that it, it's almost a mirror of the audience. It's, it's supposed to be like, we're, we're them too. He's taking us on this journey just like, just like their protagonist is going on the same exact journey. And you know that should be that should be what film is in a way. We should kind of be able to feel like we're in that same seat, and that's what it feels like. It's like 
I, I know I'm being shown something, but what's, what's going on? You know, it's kind of obvious, but I don't get it yet. Well, he sort of has this, I want to say dream logic. That, like that's kind of like the, the the popular label to it but i think he has sort of a more refined sort of dream logic sort of fever dream logic maybe where these movies are told in such a lean and mean sort of context that there's all these layers that get peeled away from it like you look at kill list like you said before it starts off and you think it's going to be a family drama but then you find out that certain people know more about the, like it, it, slight spoiler, his wife knows he's taking these jobs. Oh yeah. Oh, that's, and it's just like, there's just one scene that, that gives it away that she is understanding what his job is. Yeah. And in the beginning you hear her saying like, Oh, you haven't brought in money for eight months. And it's like, Oh, and then he mentions the, he was working in it at dinner and it's like, Oh, I get it. So he came back from the war. He, he couldn't hack it in real life. And it's like, Oh, no, no, he's totally still doing the kill thing. It's just he hasn't done it in a while because of a mission that went wrong. But you know, there's things that get peeled off a lot quicker in that movie too, which I found very interesting. Again, especially on second viewing. Um, and this is not really a spoiler in any way because um, people die in it. There is people who are on a list that are going to die. Okay, it's called Kill List. Sorry. Yeah, it's not family list, it's Kill List. But the first person on the list um, I won't say who, you know, look, it is, it's a priest. And it says it right, it's like the priest. You know what it's going to be in the movie. It's not like it's- a, it's Oh, a I love that. But the priest sees him and he knows he's going to be killed. And he says, turn around. The priest says, thank you. And you think in your head, he's saying, oh, thank you for giving me my dignity so I don't have to see it. But almost not even 10 minutes later, you see why he really said thank you. <clears throat> And maybe it's not clear enough, but as it gets further and further, there's a hidden meaning behind it. And it's just like, it's like that it happens. Yeah, I, th I still, I, I need to watch it again because I think I'm still kind of puzzling out what thank you really meant, but just its presence alone was creepy, especially okay. when it gets to the librarian. All right, pause it, go forward 30 seconds, 45 seconds if you want. If you don't want anything spoiled, I'm just going to give a quick thing here because I, I know Mike, you'll watch it again. Oh yeah. But- Okay, spoiler alert. Here it is. Ready, guys? Everybody? Spoiler alert. Because Jay is apparently this... I, won't, I don't want to put it in terms of like an Ari Aster film. It's not like he's a vessel for something like that, but he's chosen. And because he's the one killing them, they, thank you, you're the one, thank you for making me part of your ascension, a part of your part of this plan. Because of the yes, because of the people that hired the oh, which ties always ties back to in the earth. Spoiler over. Okay, welcome back. <laughs> Spoiler over. See <laughs> kill list. See in the earth. I, uh, I know, like, and that's like I say spoiler. If you listen to that and you haven't seen the film, it actually you're still gonna, you're still going to be taken for a ride when you watch it. Oh yeah, and just it, it, again, just I cannot sing Ben Weedley's praises enough because of the fact that it's just it kind of it kind of reminds me of Danny Boyle and his approach to 28 Days Later hmm. because that was very much a movie that he made on very little money yeah on very thin margins of he literally had his daughter and her friends sort of stopping traffic holding up traffic so they got those deserted you know London shots he did all of this with like spit and duct tape literally filmed a scene the day 9-11 happened on, on, at the time, prosumer cameras, the stuff I was learning 
digital filmmaking on when I was like a student. And then it's funny to see I Am Legend sort of try to do the same sort of thing. And it was still, I still liked it, but it was very much big budget version. They were allowed to close down New York. They kind of got in trouble with the people that made Wonder Pets because of some explosions. But, you know, if we do episodes on those movies, we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah, also, I, I still have a problem with, I, with every single version of I Am Legend, whether it's even if they were decent, you know, Last Man on Earth, Omega Man, whatever. Because I, I, I Am Legend is one of the first books I ever re re read. And no movie has even done the actual story of I Am Legend. And it's annoying. But let's move no, on. they haven't. And yes, it is. <laughs> because that is one of the best endings that I've ever read. Anyway, back to back to the more important things. Yes, kill list. Well, be, well, because Ben Wheatley himself is, while he is a player in the game and well known, he still seems like he's kind of like this hidden treasure that some people don't know about, and everybody needs to know about. Oh yeah, and, and you know that's that's just one of the core tenets around here is sometimes you can have someone that's been making movies since. You know, he was, I think he was making them since 2010 mm -hmm. or even before well, that. But Kill down, was, was down, down, down Terrace was 2009, which was the first one. Kill came after, but he had been working yeah. in TV for a while before that. Um, but yeah, his first film was Down Terrace and that was 2009. And I was surprised he knew Joel Fry for that long. <laughs> I love, well, Joel Fry deserves so much more credit, especially after In the Earth. It's funny. It's very funny too, because when we were talking to Ben there, and you were talking about Joel Fry and where you knew him from, I was amazed because I thought the first thing that's come out of your mouth was going to be Game of Thrones. Well, there I was feel that like that's too. where most people will know him from. Yeah, like I, I thought it was Game of Thrones, but I just I didn't say it because I, I wasn't sure if it was like I was like, wait a minute, he wasn't Game of Thrones. Like, you know, I'll, I'll just wait. But like, he's in Yesterday. Uh, there's a really good BBC show called W1A with oh, yeah. Hugh Bonneville, which is just that wonderful workplace comedy that he's also like really just a kind of goofy sort of dim guy. But in the earth, he is very much capable, straight laced, just that protagonist that you could mesh with and follow this journey with. Yeah, I mean, and it's funny too. And it's not everybody because Ben Wheatley does have a, a certain amount of people that he works with fairly often. Reese Smith, who plays Zach being one of them, we spoke about in the interview and he, he mentioned- Michael Smiley. Yeah, well, Michael Smiley, yeah, but he had mentioned- He even had him in his Doctor Who episode. Well, no, but he mentioned Reese, you know, talking about Inside Number Nine, but, you know- Yes. Reese really became big because he was one of the legal gentlemen. Uh, you know, I, and, I was surprised when I learned that that was him. Yeah, so, so, thinking, so thinking about him there, thinking about, um, like you were just saying, Michael Smiley, because, again, Michael Smiley's done a lot of work, a lot of different stuff, but for the longest time, especially when Killers came out, I think most people were just going to think about him as tires- from Spaced because, yeah. because that went worldwide at a certain point when not everybody was gonna see his face. So I th I'm thinking of people who are more known for their comedic background. And I, I, was, I didn't mention it in the interview because when you were talking about recognizing people, because I thought it was funny because when I was rewatching Kill List again, um, Gareth Tunley, who plays the priest, I'm looking at him like, why do I know that face? And I've seen him in so many things but no matter what I see him in, I don't know if you watch Peep Show, if you're a Peep Show fan, I'm a massive Peep Show fan. I've seen it every now and then. He's, a, he's in one episode, he plays Gog in, <laughs> in, the, in the episode where, where uh, Jeremy tries to uh, force him to do the, uh, let him do the music for uh, the Honda commercial that Gog's working on. 
Um, and I'm like, that's every time I see his face, that's where I'm gonna think of him from. And Ben Wheatley has so many people in all of his movies. And sometimes you sometimes you recognize them from his own movies, but like they're there and it's like, he's got his cast and they know what they're doing. And maybe that's also why it makes it so easy for him to do these 15, 18. A Field in England, I think it was a 12 day shoot. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm just, it's just no matter what the movie is, I'm always amazed when it comes together in such a short period of time because small tangent, it may not have been the best film in the world, but the story behind how Songbird got made is pretty amazing considering how fast it went from script to production to release. All right, you're gonna have to fill me in on the timeline. I don't know what what was the what was the actual. I think timeline? it was. I I forget how long. I think the shoot might have been two. No, not two months. I don't know. I'm gonna ha- hold on. Let me look this up really quickly because I did the interviews well, for this. Well, while you look it up, I will I will talk about a more big budget one that actually surprises me. And you know, like because again, when when it comes to like these big comic book films that are filling the theaters now, or when we're done with the pandemic. I'm so used to them being like, there's an announcement and all right, we wrap filming and then it takes another year of post-production. I was amazed by how quickly they got the first Deadpool movie out. Because- How long did that take? They, I, I, all I remember is they announced that they were starting filming or they announced that filming was gonna happen in a, like a, a few weeks, right when Voices came out. And I did an interview with Ryan Reynolds for Voices. And I remember talking to him, talking to him about, about the movie and also this stuff. And it wasn't even a full year later, Deadpool was in the theaters. Wow. Or maybe it just was like an exactly year and a month. I, I can't remember, but it was like just one year and it was, it was in. I, I, that surprised me. Okay, so Songbird uh, was like March 19th. So literally two days after the US lockdown, Adam Mason, who was a co-writer and director, and then Simon Boyce, who was a co-writer, said call him up and said he had an idea for a pandemic movie they plotted over a weekend it was almost going to be a cloverfield monster style movie okay because they were going to have this whole thing where like the monster was like a representation of the virus it was a huge mutation but they instead opted for sort of like the more humanistic drama that they went with so then michael bay got wind of it he threw a, he basically threw his weight behind it he filmed a lot of uh he filmed a lot of second unit for it And then within 17 days, they filmed the movie. There was originally a two and a half hour cut and they cut it down to about an hour and a half. But when was, when, so when did it, when was the release date though? The release date was, I think it was December last year. Uh, Yeah, December 11th, because it was, it was basically released uh, to VOD. Yeah, I mean, that's still in December. We were definitely still on that on that tip, no matter what. Yeah, yeah. But just from March to December, they literally went from hatching an idea to having it released into homes. That's crazy. I mean, look, you know, we get surprised every day, but um, you know, it's it's great that there are people out there like Wheatley that are doing this that that can that can get it done and get it done with style, not looking like it was hashed together and in. in 15, 17 days. Make it, you know what? And it's something I, I wanted to mention to him too. And I, I, I so annoyed I didn't get to it. That movie, I don't know how has did not, I mean, well, it wasn't released yet. I'm an idiot. But when the Oscars come up next year, 
sound design. Oh, how how beautiful that sounded, and how like because again it was like it was in essence emptiness, but all the the deep creaking. Oh, it was, it was perfect. It was perfect. Playing the score to the trees and then recording that recording, and plus it would be I would be remiss if I did not mention Clint Mansell, who in addition yes. to working with people like Darren Aronofsky and Duncan Jones, did amazing music for movies like High Rise and for in the earth which this is such a gorgeous soundscape well, let's let's also not forget you know because for clint Mansell, people don't know you know part of the chronos quartet you know the big thing that got him not i mean it wasn't the first movie he did but the the, the one that made him the name for this kind of thing he did requiem for a dream which yeah. got started which was used that was using everything for like years yep requiem for a tower <laughs> and then uh and then even uh death is it's kind of circling back to things death is the road to awe was used for an i am legend trailer and that's what first really got me into that piece of music and then listening to the actual piece itself yeah blew it wide open for me because it just has that relentless you know you've got that relentless electric guitar and then you've got the violin paired with it and just that beat it like hyped me up for that movie and then listening to the actual thing, just it, 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 the fountain's probably something else we're gonna have to talk about. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll get there. And, and, but, but to, to wrap, to bring it back into the thing, I am a little upset because I saw some, uh, some posts and I think also, I think Ben himself posted it. Some of the, uh, the I, I, I think they're only pressing like 250 or 500 of, of the Clint Mansell vinyl uh, soundtrack for In the Earth. And I'm like, uh, I wanna I wanna buy it, but I don't wanna, I, I gotta, I gotta, you know, I spend too much money on records sometimes. <laughs> I gotta like hold back a little. So I'm not gonna be able to, but oh, that would be so nice. It would. It'd be nice. But, you know, with all that being said, In the Earth's hitting theaters today, April 16th. Go see it if you can. If you're protected, vaccinated, know you can sit across away from people, go see it. Kill List, if you haven't seen it, immediately. It's available on the Criterion channel. Of course, you can rent it on Amazon uh, and, and, other, and other services. But just look it up, Kill List 2011. You will not regret it. No, not at all. And we hope that you have not regretted listening to us on Overdue Rentals. Uh, for, this is our first full episode in the can. Uh, if you can, if you're a pal, if you're a buddy, if you just wanna be good to us, as we hope we've been good to you, like us, subscribe to us on all the fine podcast uh, ephemera that you subscribe to. And of course, don't forget to leave us reviews because how are we gonna get any better if we can get better, I mean, I don't want to say that we, you know, knocked it out of the park this time, but we certainly did a, a solid, solid effort. But if we're not, we're not going to know what to give you guys, if you don't, or you people, if you don't tell us what you want. So, Matthew, where can people find you on the great wide web? The easiest place to find me is usually on Instagram. I post there most, which is at Shallot's Stash. Gee, I, I wonder where that screen name came from. Uh, kids, you should Google uh, Shallot, Gene Shallot, and uh, find out about that. And uh, well, also Google the SCTV sketch with Gene Shallot's variety oh, show. Because I, I just discovered, I've just started discovering a lot of SCTV myself lately. I'm a massive fan. 
that gene sh- oh we should i want to get eugene levy on here so bad but uh, i love that whole uh, the gene shallot variety hour well my father me. used to my father would film on vhs when we were kidding they play him on pbs and we used to watch him um this uh, was but uh you know i'm i'm at shallot stash because my when i first started doing this i had my own site called movie review movie reviews from gene shallot's mustache gimmick <laughs> was I was too poor to see movies, so I would drug Gene Shallot and hide inside his mustache to see films. How this never became an animated short, I'm very upset. But if you actually want to find me, Mike Reyes on the internet, uh, I write for Cinema Blend, but you can also find me on social media at Mr. Controversy 83, and that's across all three major networks, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, but I'm mostly an Instagram, Twitter sort of guy. So yeah. Um, and you can also, of course, find our show through these platforms. Now, Matthew, please help walk me through this pre-acquisition handle fest that we have, because if we ever get big enough, I swear we should just buy these people out. Well, for right now, if you want to see us on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash overdue rentals. Ooh, simple, catchy. If you want to find us on Twitter, it's twitter.com slash rentals overdue. Very avant-garde. Kids love it. And if you want to find us on Instagram, it's Instagram.com slash Overdue Rental Show. And look out for some clips coming to our YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash Overdue Rentals. Wow. You know, I mean, it kind of sounds like a game of Minesweeper, but when you really, when I hear it from you, it comforts me. It makes me feel more comfortable until the point that we can buy these names out. But anyway. Well, I hope everybody's comfortable with that. Yes. Yes, but whatever, no matter what name we go by on social media, it is still Matthew Shuckman and Mike Reyes for Overdue Rentals. And we are signing off for this evening. Uh, please be kind to rewind and don't forget to use the Dropbox because that's what it's there for. And cl- cross off kill list on your Overdue Rentals list. Thank you for joining. Yes.